you know what, graduation days in many, many parts of the country, whether you're sitting in grade R or your kid is sitting in grade R or whether you are, well, not yet the matrix, right? I suppose everybody right up until grade 11, many jalsas, etc. taking place. Good, important reminder and advice at this point in time, especially when it comes to um, awards, right? When it comes to awards, do you stay right till the end of the... Um, you know, of the awards. Or do you just wait for your kid, your grandkid, your whoever you came for, uh, you know, to uh, to c- collect the award and to leave? Well, we'll open up that discussion, inshallah, a little later on. Well, the country's domestic workers are the biggest losers as households uh, cannot afford to pay their domestic help the salaries they used to. Um, it has been two weeks since the second anniversary after the Constitutional Court handed down a significant judgment in Mahlangu versus the Minister of um, of Labour. Now, this compelling the inclusion of domestic workers in legislation aimed at protecting workers. Now, last week, the Socioeconomic Rights Institute, or SELI, and the Nelson Mandela Foundation hosted the second annual dialogue reflecting on the status of uh, domestic work. And we speak to SELI's Nomsamu Zondo. Good evening. Good evening, Julie. And thank you for joining us, uh, uh, ma'am. How important is the annual dialogue reflecting on the status of domestic workers in South Africa? I mean, domestic workers in South Africa have had a long, long history. If you wanted to look at, you know, uh, industries like mining, etc., where people coming and working at people's houses as, you know, domestic workers as probably as longer, if not longer than that. How, how is this dialogue going? So, Jane, thank you so much because you picked up on, on, on where I wanted to start. Um, when you look at our history, uh, domestic workers and farm workers are really the, pic- the picture of the ugliness of the apartheid government and the repression that we suffered. And so the hope w- would be that in our new democracy, they will be in a much better place. And unfortunately, they haven't been. Um, and it's both in relation to uh, salary. Uh, in relation to social protections like the unemployment insurance fund and um, the um, occupational injury insurance that is uh, the one that the constitutional court um, decided on in, in 2020. The reason we actually called the dialogue was to get people to come around and discuss why we are struggling with compliance as employers of domestic workers. Why is it that most of these workers do not are not registered and, and, or, or, and are not contributing for UIF, why are they not interested in contributing for COIDA, which is for workplace, insur- uh, workplace insurance and workplace injury. And unfortunately, since 2020, since this judgment, only 1,277 employers have started contributing to COIDA. The industry employs over 800,000 people. Mm-hmm. So the compliance rate is just below 1%. And then in terms of the claims, um, the, this judgment allowed any domestic worker who had been injured in their workplace between April, 27 April 1994 and 2020 to submit a claim to the, the, to, to the fund. And unfortunately, the compensation fund, and unfortunately, as of June 2022, only seven claims have been received. Mm-hmm. 
You know, this dialogue, uh, I mean, who are the role players, the stakeholders? I'm sure government needs to be there. But at the same time, representing employers and employees, who do you have there at the table for this, for this discussion? So at the dialogue this year, uh, we were joined by a director from the Compensation Fund. Uh, last year, we were joined by the Compensation Commissioner. Uh, we were fortunate again last year to have a representative from one of the employer organizations, uh, which actually has a small segment that depends to domestic work employers. But unfortunately, everybody knows that domestic work works in single homes. Mm. They are rarely ever organized, and even their employers are rarely ever organized. So when we're actually talking about employers of domestic work, we're talking about you and me. People who are themselves employed, who know that they want to have unemployment insurance, who know that they they entitled to occupational injury insurance if they work in a place. But when it comes to their employees in their homes, then somehow all of these requirements will get thrown out the window. Now, Samu, you know, we, we are, of course, living in um, dire straits when it comes to economic times. And uh, quite often, those who bear the brunt of it from both ends, from the side, from, from the side of them uh, not being able to afford basic necessities, as well as the, the, the real risk of being let go because they don't represent, you know, the, the high end of the, of the workforce happen to be those who are domestic workers, those who are gardeners, those who are caregivers sometimes in homes are we seeing people make that choice that they are willing to let go of domestic workers and as a result these domestic workers joining the ranks of the unemployed in South Africa because of economic times look um, in 2020 when the session was delivered the estimates were that we have over a million domestic workers in the country so we've seen a drop of about 200,000 domestic workers and of course, that might, that is definitely a result of the economic downturn. Um, and it also, it, it also means that many of those people are now unemployed. The painful part is that when they become unemployed, unlike most of us, they not then have unemployment insurance, which they should have by law. Hmm. Uh, you know that currently uh, the, the 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 workers that are that benefit from UIF etc would obviously be those that are I'm assuming South African citizens those that are legally working here but at the same time we've seen a large number of uh, neighboring countries and and whether it's because of economic downturn there or, or because of you know work related issues from neighboring and landlocked countries also enter South Africa are there any laws that extend to protect those workers as well or is you know our legislature basically directed towards the south african worker so in in terms of um the uif um it is if workers are documented which means they are here in the country legally then they can be they can contribute to the fund and can claim for the fund and this has been at the time when we had COVID, we had the test fund um, unfortunately, again, employers don't contribute to the fund. They don't register their employees and they don't contribute to the fund. Similarly, so for COIDA, for instance, it's very different. Every employer is a policyholder and has a legal obligation to register their employee and contribute for the educational injury. Every employee documented or undocumented. The problem, unfortunately, Junaid, 
is the issue of systems. When you get to the compensation fund, when you get to the Department of Labor for in, in relation to unemployment insurance um, contributions, what happens if, if your employee is undocumented? Unfortunately, the answer is we don't know. And that's where we are stuck. So we need government to come to the table and make sure that everyone receives the social protection that they are entitled to. You know, going forward, uh, Numsama, I mean, of course, you, you just shared with us the statistics a little earlier on that, you know, less than 1% or about 1% of the entire workforce is registered to begin with. But what would be the way going forward? Would, would there need to be a greater awareness campaign, greater pressure by way of government? What is the, 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 the blueprint going forward, Numsama? Look, so um, I think we've been, as part of this dialogue, been having conversations uh, with the Compensation Fund, with the Department of Labor. And one, they have actually embarked on, on, on a campaign, on a campaign to educate the public. So you see, you see these campaigns in taxi ranks, you see them in townships, you see them at airports, you see them at the major traffic routes. Um, and at the, at, the, at the same time, though, we realize that that's not effective. With the numbers that I gave you, it means that people are not being reached. And therefore, we push them to say, you need to be where people are. So you need to be at the community radio stations. You need to be at the major radio stations. You need to be on TV uh, pushing this message so people know that this, this is what compliance looks like. And then we know from the, from the employer's side, the complaint is that all of the systems, if you try and register your employee, it's very hard. If you try and register for quota, it's very hard. And again, we've, as said, we've even developed um, a guide uh, on employing a domestic worker, which tells you how do you start the relationship, how do you manage the relationship, how do you end the relationship legally, right? And and it kind of guides you through all of the processes. Unfortunately, without cooperation between uh, the trade unions that are already uh, working with domestic workers and, and other domestic worker organizations, government, um, employees and civil society more generally, it's going to be a very, very hard issue to move on. But unfortunately, getting, let's say, even if we just, we just, we just as, uh, as, as, as generous as it could be, we say we're talking about half a million domestic workers. The only way we're going to get half a million domestic workers is if we, we now start to target their hearts to say, this is not this cannot continue in our country domestic workers are workers and you must if you employ domestic worker in your home you must do this and this and this we have raised with government the possibility of doing sports checks um and sending out labor inspectors to check um to check compliance around uif around coida and in the past this 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 practice was there again we are asking mm. we're speaking to the about is this something that could be done because we do want to see more compliance in this sector. Again, the most important thing is this sector is a sector that mostly employs black women. It is the largest employer of black women as an industry. And we, and, and, and we believe that actually all of us need to get behind it to say, actually, we believe in human rights. And those who believe in human rights, we believe that even poor black women must enjoy those rights. And that means it's going to start with me, it's going to start with my brother, it's going to start with my neighbor. So we are asking people to conscientize each other, to discuss these issues. And we are, we are grateful that um, Radio Islam has invited us to speak here on this platform. Speak about this in your WhatsApp groups. And again, we are saying that resources are available 
on our website there are organizations that support domestic workers so in the Masango case that you spoke about earlier it was litigated on behalf of of, of the of, of the Masango family but also the Sakpao, which is a domestic um, workers trade union there is also Udosa, another domestic worker, domestic worker trade union and there's also easy domestic workers alliance which works the best and there are many other organizations that support them as domestic workers so if you have questions please feel free to reach, to, to look on on Sari's website feel free to look up these uh unions uh, as, a, as a domestic worker or as an employer domestic worker um and 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 hopefully in that way you can at least comply Namzamu Zondo, thank you so much for joining us and, of course, talking to us. Very important topic indeed and one that, uh, you know, we should continue to, uh, you know, to, to host and maybe, you know, a little bit longer and a little bit more, uh, well, much more information for both employers and employees. And uh, this is something that no doubt we'll be looking forward to in the new year 2023. But Namzamu, thank you so much for your time and for, uh, for this discussion. Thank you so much, Renate. Have a good evening. That was Seri's Numzamu Zondo talking to us about, well, the country's domestic workers. And, uh, you know, um, two things that they've always been, you know, at the end of the most vulnerable, the most vulnerable uh, workforce in our country for a long, long time. And vulnerable in the sense of um, uh, not being given uh, adequate protection in the pre-apartheid era, as well as currently now, post-apartheid, 1994 onwards, when it comes to by way of Compliance. Imagine that 1% out of 800,000 registered with uh, UIF to, to, you know, to, to begin with. 